My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 197 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. If you are new to the family, welcome, welcome, welcome. Better late than never. Of course, audio episodes like this go out every single Monday. And if you head over to our website, that's legallycluelessafrica.com, you can sign up to join our community, watch our video series and our tour series, and stay informed on when our next workshops and wellness events will be. Speaking of joining the community, the last letter from me went out to all registered members a couple of days ago, actually. And I mean the last letter of 2022. I am so thankful to everybody who has registered we are at over 400 people which is just so wild to me (laughs) and so affirming because like I am going through those moments where I'm just like doubting the things that I want to do with this space and just wondering like does anybody give a damn (laughs) self-doubt is so real and so hectic and so to see over 400 people having registered and joined the community is like so much more than I anticipated and so what's gonna happen in 2023 for you who has registered you'll get a letter every month okay of 2023 some of the letters will be from me some will be from some of my favorite people That's all I can say. So if you haven't registered, make sure you do. And to all the ones who received the last letter, I hope you connected with everything I brought up in it. And a special, special shout out to those who even replied, which is just, it's so kind. Okay, so I'm super excited about this particular episode. It features a story which is a must listen for every creative person trying to build a business around their creativity. Listen to this. A friend of my sister's was getting married and we went into Samantha Bridal, the wedding fair. And I stood at the door of Sarit and I was like, I think I have my business idea. My mom was my biggest cheerleader. We managed to negotiate her deal and I sold her shareholding first. We didn't have internet in our houses. So you could either go to a cyber cafe. Coming up with the website was hectic because first websites were very, very expensive. I remember spending, I think it was an equivalent of 70,000 bob. The website designer didn't know what he was doing. It was rough. (laughs) The first clients to buy from me, I think I did maybe probably around 70 or 80 calls. So I'd go try and pitch this big idea. I remember there's one person who told me, your idea is ridiculous. Tell me, you think one day internet will be everywhere? And I was just like, okay, you may not buy it, but don't kill my dream. That's a story by Wanjiku. It's coming up a little later in this episode. And I really can't wait to tell you how I met her because, oh my goodness, there's inspiration all around us if you're just keen enough to look. Anyway, song of the week. So I was in the shower this morning and I was listening to my favorite Erica Badu playlist. And this particular song came up and I loved it. You know, you love a song when when you're not only just singing along, but you're like harmonizing. <laughs> Whether you're on key or not is like, those are details, you know. So I was harmonizing in the shower and I was like, hang on, I've never shared this song with you where are my manners i love it i love the lyrics oh i love the lyrics to this song so much so it's by erica badu and the name of the song is apple tree if you're a stan of hers you obviously know it if not i've put a link to it in the show notes make sure you go check it out if you're listening on a platform without show notes 
It's called Apple Tree and it's by Erica Badu. So I really hope that you're having a week that has been full of grace, well, a month really, and an end to the year. We're inching closer to Christmas and... Oh my goodness, this is going to be such a defining Christmas for me. I realized ever since my mom died 10 years ago, so Christmas was always big in our house back then from when we were kids, like my mom would decorate from the the gate (laughs) and we would do it all like Christmas tree, presents under the tree, all of those things. And I really do appreciate her for all of that because sometimes she was dealing with a lot. My dad was abusive and, and sometimes not even there and she just... I don't remember any Christmas feeling off or not feeling warm. So after she died, I think subconsciously what I started doing was I'd keep that tradition going. That basically meant I wasn't acknowledging that she was gone. So with all the self-work that I have been doing and different transitions I've been going through this year... I still am a bit nervous about Christmas, like it's inching closer and I'm just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, because I I, I didn't know how to celebrate or if I wanted to celebrate. My African spirituality has been growing, so I'm like, okay, am I going to be a fraud if I put up a tree? Because it's not for the Christian way of doing things, you know what I mean? So I was just like, what do I do? (laughs) And then December just keeps moving so fast. I'm like, stop. Everything stop until I figure myself out. I think, honestly, the more I think about it, what I love is celebrating a year past, you know, and just reflecting and being like, wow, so many lessons, so many growth opportunities, so many solved challenges, so much growth, not just for me, but the people I love. And so, Maybe that's what I like celebrating. Maybe that's what I've always liked celebrating for the past 10 years, which means it's not really divided into Christmas and New Year's. It's like just the last two weeks of the year and just being so grateful for having brought myself to this point. So I get to celebrate myself and celebrate the people that I love. And then I get to decide what that celebration looks like. So the nerves are dying down a bit. Ooh, I had mulled wine. Ooh, I first had it like five years ago in Manchester over Christmas there and it was so delicious. And my friend and her two sisters have opened a restaurant stroke wine bar. One of her sisters is from Cape Verde and she, ah, she made it and it's so delicious. And yeah, so I'm I'm like, okay, so this is going into my tradition because it's something that I love. Yeah, I'm I'm piecing it all together and just trying to figure out what the house looks like as well. Yeah, it's the nerves are definitely going down, but I am also severely missing my mom. I had probably three very difficult days in the past week where I was not sleeping. I was just feeling a very heavy sadness and I just was more aware of the loneliness those of you who who are navigating grief because I I don't know if we ever never navigate it you know what I mean I think you'd understand like there's some moments where the loneliness is heavier and maybe it's because it's holiday time but that's where I am with Christmas recreating my Christmas tradition very scary but it's also it's also exciting I think I've gotten to the point where I'm like getting excited about it also something I am very proud of speaking of growth and celebrating the year is having really 
sat in my business and how we've grown. Legally Clueless began as a podcast just in 2019 March and at that point I thought it was a hobby. Right now we've grown into a fully fledged new media company with this podcast. We have the video series three seasons in. We have the tour series. We've been to Dubai, Paris, across Kenya, Zimbabwe. We're syndicated on Trace FM. We have just onboarded two people to, you know, the family. We're in the process of partnering with amazing African women who lead our wellness events next year, as well as some of our workshops. And so I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is powerful. This is Definitely something I'm going to be celebrating in this end of year, just being like, wow, look at what you've, you've put together and it feels so good. It's, it's one of the most fulfilling journeys I've ever been on. And I just truly want to, while walking through it, I'm in the beginning stages. At this point, I want to be able to connect and build sisterhood with other African women who are entrepreneurs and really talk about, you know, how we can support each other emotionally, support each other with like sharing opportunities and tips, because that's also something I feel like I struggle with, access to skills and and like figuring out how do you keep your business making money? Because that's like so important. And yeah, I'm now just leaning into that a bit more. And so when we release our calendar of events, it's so hard to put it all together because there's so many moving parts, but trust me, it's worth it. That's something that will be incorporated, just like bringing African women entrepreneurs together because we are key contributors to the economy. There's a World Bank research that reported that since 2013, only 3% of early stage funding went to all female founding teams compared to 76% for all male teams. We, We are really important, but not many people are investing in us, you know? And as I said, funding and revenue on my end is a constant struggle. And I know for so many businesses as well, ensuring I get access to courses or spaces that I can get skills to help me with my business. Remember, I didn't study this. I studied media and, and you know, my concentration was public relations and psychology. So like not business. So I'm just like, oh my goodness, am I on the right track or not? You know, and the self-doubt just appears all the time at the wrong moments, you know. I just want to work in this and connect with other African women entrepreneurs. So I'm very excited to be able to share an opportunity that speaks to my journey and, and potentially yours if you are an African woman entrepreneur. So Coca-Cola and Women in Africa want to change the environment that African women entrepreneurs are doing in business, ensure that we have access to funding, to knowledge and skills, to a network. And so Women in Africa and the Coca-Cola Foundation have joined forces to support African women entrepreneurs over the next three years. And it's through an initiative called Jami Femmes that I think you really need to be part of because it's made up of three pillars. The first one is to ensure that African women entrepreneurs have access to education. So 7,000 
of these entrepreneurs will benefit from virtual programs on entrepreneurship and social and personal skills. 60 women who go through this program will benefit from a boot camp to improve their skills and get coaching. That's the first pillar. And then the second pillar is access to finance. We <laughs> underline this one because you guys. Anyway, so under this pillar, 600 women entrepreneurs will receive grants to support their business development and increase their impact on communities. This is a part that I love because of the many zeros. Three laureates will receive a prize of $10,000 to support their projects. Trust me, this can go a long way for your business. I mean... You don't even have to trust me, you know. And the third pillar is connections. So they want to be able to give African women entrepreneurs access to networks that will even help them with visibility. Once you're part of Jamie Femmes, you get lifetime access to the Women in Africa Network, which means access to an advisory board per country composed of local personalities. I really love this point because right now, I have set a goal for in the next two years, I'm creating an advisory board for Legally Clueless Africa. And so this is so important. Another thing you get under this pillar is visibility on women in Africa's social networks throughout the program, which if you think about it, really opens up your business to an entirely new market, which is a plus. Okay, so I know at this point, you are definitely game to sign up stand a chance to get into Jummy Femmes. So how do we get you in? First and foremost, we need to figure out if you're eligible. So number one, you need to be 18 years and above. You need to have nationality or residency with a business in these three countries, Nigeria, Kenya, or Ivory Coast. You need to be able to follow a program online. So you need to have access to spaces and, and tools that can let you do this. You need to be at an idea to growth stage. Um, you need to be in the agricultural sector and or in relation to the sustainable development objectives. And so basically your business needs to be contributing to at least three SDGs. Now, if you have ticked all of that, what you need to do is in the show notes, click the link that will take you to the application landing page. You have until the 22nd of December to apply. It's not too long. I'm telling you this on Monday. That's Thursday. Okay. So if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, my goodness, you have a few hours, but this is the most important thing you can do to end your year. In the show notes, there's a link to where you need to apply. You have until the 22nd of December to do that. In case you are listening on a platform without show notes, you need to go to Jummy Femmes. That's J-A-M-I-I-F-E M-E-S 2022 dot io forward slash apply and make sure you do like I can end this year on a high end this year on a high this is the one important thing you need to do for your business especially by the way if you are in business you know that there is no such thing as the holidays <laughs> In fact, what I think I started doing is finding a week in January that then I can I can rest because I find December is really good for me to 
invest back in the business and not focus too much on my clients because they're on holiday break. So now I can pour into my business. And I think applying for this is one of the ways you can pour back into yourself and into your business. Because can you imagine if you are one of the three laureates to receive a prize of $10,000? Like how much would that impact your business? Think about that for a bit. Think about being one of the 600 women entrepreneurs who are going to receive grants. Like the, the access to education, the access to a network. And it's a lifetime access to a network, to an advisory board. This is how you end your year on a high. So make sure you go to that site. You have until the 22nd of December to apply. And one other thing that I have to say is when you hear of opportunities like this, being an African woman in business, I really do appreciate the people who, when they find opportunities like this, they share it with me. Because maybe you're employed, maybe business is not your thing. But you know an African woman entrepreneur. If you do, share this episode with them. Make sure they know that there is this opportunity made specifically for African women entrepreneurs. Trust me, as a small business owner, we really appreciate those resources when they're shared because we don't have too many of them. 22nd of December, make sure you apply before then. Let's jump into the story in this episode. Her name is Wanjiku. I'll tell you how we met after the story, but if you're scared of jumping into business, listen to the story and then follow your heart. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Wanjiku and I am from Nairobi. So my childhood was amazing. I would say it was full of interesting curiosities. So I grew up in a home where um, I had a father who had a love of books, had a love of gardening, had a love of the arts. And I think he passed that on to me and my sister. And I think that is the first time I ever had an encounter with uh, creativity because he just made us fall in love with all these things that we weren't primarily exposed to because of the sort of school system that we had. Um, so for me as a child, my favorite subjects were art, though I am very, very good in maths uh, because maths, I think, is just one of those things that was also passed on in our family. But I really, really love the arts. And my wonder or my curiosity was what can my mind create that could leave some level of impact in the world? And I think I have always carried that with it because I feel like we all have the ability to create in our own special way. So unfortunately, in primary and towards late primary and high school, my artistic side had to take a backbench. Reason being, I went to a school that didn't have art as a subject. So um, my background, I did the three sciences because that was the most exciting. I love geography as well because, I mean, you get exposed to nature and creation and all this. And so for me, meeting with art or the creatives was in campus. I went to Nairobi University and my undergrad was in actuarial science, which is very ironic because not artistic. But I think the moment I realized that I'm suited to be an artist was when I was going to sit for my economics paper. So in actuarial, there are these papers you have to sit down even to qualify to be an actuary. And I remember being at the door of the exam room and I think it was a voice. I want to say it's maybe the voice of God. And I was like, do you really want to do this the rest of your life? Because in as much as yes, I did pass my exams, I did do well. I didn't get that sort of passion and 
joy from actual so i was like maybe this is not meant for me and so i began that path of trying to figure out what am i supposed to do when i was in third year so i didn't do the exam so um i done one paper i think and i did well um, my mom paid for the exams and i told her you know what i don't think i'm going to pursue actual i'll finish the degree but i want to get into the space of starting a creative business Obviously, everyone was shocked. Um, my classmates were shocked. My lecturers were shocked. And it was back in the day when entrepreneurship was a fairly new concept and given this name. So not a lot of people had dared to, to venture out into entrepreneurship. And so I remember when I, I came up with the idea for my business, a friend of my sister's was getting married and we went into Samantha Bridal, the wedding fair. And I stood at the door of Sarit and I was like, I think I have my business idea. What if I create a website and all the suppliers come and they advertise and, and I get money from it. And I did very simple maths because I'm a mathematician. I just took a thousand bob and said, I just need a thousand vendors and I get a million. And this is my big idea. And that's how I started actually. So I started off putting together uh, the first wedding and events directory. And that was in the year 2007. That was the days of dial-up internet. I know many people may not remember that, but that's how we started. That's how I actually started my business. So I created this website and guys were like, you're crazy. How are you going to make money from a website? My mom was my biggest cheerleader. And she kept on saying, because she'd been in the, in the corporate world for very long, and she kept on telling me, because she knows me, as in she's my mom, she thinks I have the qualities that I would need to be able to have a successful business, though it would take time. And to show you how much she was behind me, she actually, we managed to negotiate a deal and I sold her shareholding. And I told her, I'm gonna pay you back all the fees, and on top of that, I'm going to make you like an owner of the business part owner. Now, my dad, on the other hand, was very, he's very traditional. So he didn't understand how I was going to start this business. I'm talking about the internet. The internet has just landed. And he's like, how are you going to make money? So for him, the, the, the shock or the, or the lack of support maybe came from a place of he wasn't understanding or he was worried that I was going to make it. So it took a lot of years to, for him to buy into my vision. But now he's a huge cheerleader. He's like, oh, I can't believe you have projects. Like the other day he called me and he was like, I can't believe you went to North Africa because I had a project in Morocco to do this, this thing that you love. So I won him over, but it, they were on two different sides. So it was like a lot of drama in the house because me, I'm like, this is my vision. This is what I want. And they, they each had a point. Okay, it was hectic. First, we didn't have internet in our houses. So you could either go to a cyber cafe or uh, figure out how to, to go to like a restaurant. Because I remember um, I used to go to a cyber and then I used to go to Java. There was a Java at the junction. They were like amongst the first restaurants that actually gave people wireless internet. And so coming up with the website was hectic because first websites were very, very expensive. I remember spending, I think it was an equivalent of 70,000 bob. The website designer didn't know what he was doing. And it was shocking because I had little capital because I, I sold my shares. So my, my mom had put this little form of trust for us when we were in high school. So I sold my shares to be able to start this business and then sold shareholding to her and my sister. So with my all the money I've gotten, I give it to this website designer who ends up making this really crappy website that doesn't work. 
but we just took whatever we had, the product that we had, it wasn't perfect. And we managed to get people who bought into the vision. The first person who ever bought a listing from me was Valentine Cakehouse. I think we all know Valentine. His name is Matthew. Matthew, I would say, is, is the person who starred my dream of becoming an entrepreneur because he was there for me. He's like, I don't know what you're selling. You seem to be very passionate about it and I'm going to buy it. So he has been such a big part of my journey. So uh, what I did, it was rough. <laughs> the first clients to buy from me, I think I did maybe probably around 70 or 80 calls to all the people who provide weddings and event services. And I was really, really little. So I'd go try and pitch this big idea. I remember there's one person who told me, your idea is ridiculous. Go to the cyber cafe. Tell me, you think one day internet will be everywhere? And I was just like, okay, you may not buy it, but don't kill my dream. And so it's Matthew who, who studied up. Matthew and there was a lady called Beatrice from Sweet Inspirations. She's a baker. They're the first two to ever buy from me. And now what happened is under Matthew's wing, because he, he told me, see beyond just having a listing, he told me, find a way of attracting brides. And so I got into the space of content making. This is back in the days, 2007. And I started writing articles about weddings in Kenya and everything. So what happened, because I was writing the articles and there was no person, there was no information on weddings in Kenya. Brides from the diaspora started reaching out to me. They're like, okay, we see you're writing about weddings. Can you help me put together a wedding? And that's how I got into wedding planning. So this website didn't accomplish what I thought initially, but now it drove me into the wedding space, which is where I think now I started flourishing as a creative. So I will start with, the, with what was happening in the wedding space then. When I, when I got into weddings, I realized that everyone's wedding looked the same. We all had this balloon arc. There were tents on one side, tents on one side, kicking the middle. So... In my writing, you see, I'm writing articles and I'm learning about what's happening in places like the States. There was this website called The Not that I really, really loved. I said, wondering, why is it that, you know, everyone's wedding looks the same? Is there anything that I can do that can make these weddings different? And so I decided to do a bit of research and I realized, what if I figure out a way of infusing the couple's personalities into the weddings. So we started doing theme weddings. And so our client was, you know, your, your upwardly mobile bride or your, your bride who's exposed, who, who wants her wedding to be the talk of town. So we'd sit with them and we do this questionnaire and figure out what likes they have, what music they have. And people would come to the wedding and they'd be like, oh my God, I went to a wedding and it was totally different because the cuisine, everything was made to suit the couple's personalities. So that was how we got into this space and just looking out for opportunity and seeing that we can translate this opportunity in our own way is what helped us now be known in the wedding space as the people who do theme weddings. Because please remember, this was back in 2010. People didn't even know wedding planners existed. So you're here, you're telling people I'm a wedding planner. They're like, what? They can't understand. So now you're telling them to do a theme. They're like, what, what is this? So I think as a creative, you need to be bold enough to take that step because that is what propels you. I think the biggest experience is the fact that I could apply my 
curiosity in terms of creativity to these different scenarios. Like it only took me to just sit down and listen to what brides and grooms are talking about for me to figure out what would make them happy. Also the fact that just seeing them happy at the end of the day and this wedding is them and it speaks to them. And up to now, I still meet with brides and grooms and they're like, my wedding, I've never forgotten you did this. Like there's a particular wedding I'd probably like to highlight. There's this couple, the bride really loved, she loves musicals and she wanted her whole wedding to be a musical production. And it was a musical production from the way we did the church. The church was like scene one and her friends did this whole musical in church. This is Kenya. And she, it was the days for Gangnam Style. So she got people to like do Gangnam Style on that Westlands bridge. There used to be the Westlands bridge. And she had all these colorful Volkswagens and the reception. Each table was a musical she liked. So she had Sound of Music. It is. It was really well done and that was her wedding so now seeing that the fact that my brain with the couple's brain can bring this it was it was amazing so i still meet my brides they still remember we did everything we've done arabian nights we've done name it we've done it as a theme and now i'm happy to see that weddings the wedding industry has really really grown and people are doing these elaborate setups back in the day it was very hard but i think it took people like us to be able to stir that creativity in the industry. I don't think the, how I shifted from the wedding space into the corporate space is also cause of opportunity. So my first corporate client, I didn't even know they were my first corporate client. It was, I was just, there was this, uh, what's called brief that was sent around that there's this client who's looking for someone who can understand their brand and be able to, to put it out. So they were having a children's event so they have this event that they do around the world and they wanted to celebrate football. And so they reached out to a couple of marketing agencies and everyone was giving the same balloonak tent on one side, tent on another side. And these guys are like, none of these marketing agencies understands what creating a brand is. So a friend of mine just happened to send me the brief and she was like, Shiko, I know you do not work with corporates, but I think you need to sit down and look at this brief. And first, you know, you look at the name and you're like, wow, as in how would I ever defeat all these other marketing agencies? I'm just a wedding planner. And at that particular point, I was a solo outfit. I was just by myself. And I remember my mom telling me, you know what? Just take the opportunity. What's the worst thing that can happen? Just do it. So I started to look at the brief and they were very clear. We're celebrating World Cup. Figure out how you can make it but it has to be experiential. That's the first time I encountered the word experiential. So I sit down, then we had no internet in the house, look through the internet, and then I'm like, there are things we could do. We can bring in a cartoonist to help people create like their soccer, like a soccer magazine. We can hire the candy bar from the junction and bring it to the school. We can use Brookhouse, because Brookhouse is really nice. It's a school that has has thought about learning from a, from a child's perspective and it's really, really beautiful. We can have, I had a friend who used to do customized t-shirts that had randomly met at a cinema called Kenya Cinema, selling, like he had a stand and he was selling t-shirts and I took his number and we became really good friends. And I called him and I'm like, I have a gig for you and you can come and do customized t-shirts. And then I think we got someone to come and speak about football. So I put all these ideas into a theme. We created like a lounge 
then we didn't have this fancy lounges you see in events that have like PS, no, we had to literally go borrow people's PSs. So brought all that together, put it in a pitch, went to pitch. Now, when I got into the room, it was shocking. I never seen like a video conferencing unit. Guys, this is back in the day. <laughs> so going and I'm being told you're being interviewed, the head of marketing sits in Israel and we're going to leave you alone in this room and you're going to answer questions. And I just started, I said, pitching. But I think the thing that she said was, you are so passionate about this. And I know you have no experience. You're a wedding planner, but let's give you the chance. And that's how I got my first client. And that was Google. Oh my goodness. I... <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was a shock. It was like no one could believe because Google is one of those names that can change your career. And they... They was, they've been such a huge influence in my business because now I was exposed to world-class events. Now I could see what creating a brand and putting together events for a brand means. The, just having that name in my portfolio opened up so much. Obviously now, now the, the shocking thing I think for me was I would spend X amount of months, maybe nine months doing a wedding and I'd need to do like maybe five weddings to get what these guys would pay me in a job that I'd do in one month. So obviously the money was shocking. It was really, really good. But obviously you have that voice that asks you, are you really, really sure you can be able to do this? But since the team was very lean and I think Google is a sort of organization that likes growing with small businesses, they easily just picked me up and they're like, you know what, we're going to expose you. So some of the things they did is they exposed me to trainings that were specific to event planners. They exposed me to just their brand itself. Like, how do you sit down and come up with an event that's branded? That's not so, you know, balloon aki. Like, how do you create an experience? And I'm always thankful to them. And so it felt good. It felt good because sometimes as creatives, we can really downplay our talents and we can really dismiss what we have and think it's so small. But this is a global giant looking at you and saying, we want to work with you. So it felt really good and I was very validated. After Google, now you get into the business of running a business. You see now, because I started on a very easy, like it's like a, this, I wouldn't call it a hobby, but it's a simple business and then it's turning and then now you start getting carried away because now you get all these jobs, people start knowing you in the market. That's when, for me, the rubber hit the road and not necessarily in a good way, but it really, really hit me that I might not, I might have focused just on one side of running my business, which was a creative space because I really used to love coming up with the concepts, etc. But there was this whole other side of the business that I really was not keen on and that was how do you run a creative business and i think that is always the dilemma for a lot of creatives you always focus on the output and what we are putting out but we forget you're running a business there's hr there's tax there is scaling there is strategy there is what's it called a board there are all these things that you have to so for me went through the entire cycle of being an entrepreneur carry that's our tax authority come knocking at your door they're like have you done your taxes and you're like what i didn't know i was supposed to pay these taxes then you sit down and you don't think through how you're scaling because you're seeing the money coming in but you're not making conscious business decisions so at some point i decided you know what i need go to go back to business school in as much as my client portfolio is growing 
I need to go back to business school. Something also maybe I should mention, which is good. You will probably get your star clients, but it's also good for you to remember to grow your client portfolio because anything could happen. Like for me, for Google, they decided to change their strategy and cut their marketing budgets in Africa. And that meant even the sort of volumes of jobs I'd get were less. And I suffered that because I'd not grown my portfolio of clients because I always knew these guys were going to be my client. I was going to be good. So as an entrepreneur in the creative space, build your pipeline, like sit down and see how you can get other clients. So at the, at the point where I realized that I had a lot of risk because my key client was giving me 60% of my revenue. And on the flip side, I have all this, I'm not understanding how my business is working. So you're seeing the money is coming in. But at the end of the month, you're like, what happened? Like, where has this money gone to? I decided to go back to school. So there's a college, there's a university called USIU. They were partnering with Goldman Sachs and they had a really nice course for women entrepreneurs to teach them how to skill and to really understand the business side of it. So for me, I was able to go back and relearn. And I think it's shocking when now you're faced with the facts. They're telling you, look at your books, read them. What does it say about your business? So one of the things like I realized was even my business model was wrong. I hadn't put in place any governance structures. Our business is a family business, but you realize with family businesses, you need to even have the right structures in case you don't want cracks to appear. I realized that even how I was hiring, like we were bloated, just all these realizations. And I won't lie, I kind of went into a moment where I wondered what's the point if like you have this because people are seeing the nice names they're seeing the nice names because they're beautiful names but they're not understanding that you're crying because you you're not able to meet your cash flow is a mess you're going through hr issues so it was really really terrible and i literally had to just sit down face the facts and figure out how i was going to dig out of that hole quitting was not an option because i have seen what my business has done for people and sometimes as business owners, we just tend to look at the bottom line, you know, profitability. But when you look at your employees' lives, like for us, we've had people who've come in through the business and started their own businesses. There are people who've then come to the business and discovered themselves. They tell you, nobody would have ever given me a learning opportunity because maybe I didn't have the right qualifications. So for me, I always used to make these decisions from a point of, what's the best for the business and what's the best for my guys, the people who have had faith in joining my business. So quitting was not an option. What the option I had was learning how to run my business, learning how to do it right. It was painful because we had to change our business model. We had to cut people's salaries. We had to downsize. We even had to get rid of some of our clients in terms of, because they were just not the right fit. And we felt that they were steering us in a direction we didn't want to go to. That was hard. That was hard. But I would rather have gone that than said no, because there was still opportunity for us to make a difference in this space. So we decided. So I sat down. I decided to do it the right way. Um, the first thing I did was get um, a board of advisors. Some of these things sound so fancy <laughs> when you're running a small outfit. But I'm like... I'm going to learn from these people. These people have already walked the walk. They understand me. 
they can give me advice and I can learn. So I brought in a new board that helped me come up with a strategy. And it's when we were reviewing the strategy, that's around the time now, it was around 2018. So I had to take time off the business uh, because I was on maternity. But when I came back, I came with a clear mind of, we're going to change this business and we're going to change it in this direction. At that time, COVID happened because, and I think for me, COVID was a blessing in disguise, I know it has its negative effects. I'm not going to disqualify what it did to the world, but it gave me a time to sit down and right my wrongs, like decide we're going to only focus on this sort of, this sort of business. We're only going to sort um, focus on this sort of client. And we were able to do that to just change our business within the past two years. So COVID also, just before COVID, I also had a chance to sit down with one of our first employees who actually became one of our business partners. And we started asking ourselves, what's our bigger picture in this space? Our origins are fantastic because we are women-owned, women-managed. So there's a world that's rooting for us. And every time we go for pitches, guys are like, I'm very impressed that this is a women-run organization. Um, so we sat down with my colleague, her name is Eunice, and we decided we're going to educate ourselves on events. We've been doing it for a couple of years, but we need to do world-class events. So we both went back to school and I managed to do my master's in events. Yes, there's a master's in events. And I got a distinction and it was in a UK university. And the thing that shocked me was they were so impressed at the level of event knowledge we have locally. And that just also validated me that, you know, events is there, like we are, our industry is developing. Then we start with Eunice and we asked ourselves, what is it that we can do with our knowledge? And we decided to start a school. I was like, I'm, I don't want people to suffer the way I suffered going to look for business with my 70 people. Let's start a school where we share our experiences and we, we articulate what they need to be able to, people who want to get into the event space need to know if they're going to operate in the local Kenyan market. So we started the Events Academy and for me, it's one of those things that I'm really, really proud of because now with the school, we teach people how to start their businesses in events so they don't have to go through the craziness of what I went through. And then we also teach people how to do events excellently because it's a gray market. It's a new market. And I think it needs to be given the sort of, this people need to be given exposure and they need to be able to raise it to the next level. Let's go to March, 2020. So I was not in the country when I think Uhuru made the announcement. I was on holiday, but the previous year I'd made the decision to, to change my business. So at the point where Uhuru comes, President Uhuru comes and makes the announcement, I had already started restructuring the business and we had already decided we're going to be working from home, but have a virtual office as a way of us minimizing our expenses because we were very clear on the clientele. I was heartbroken because I'd done my forecasts based on past data. I knew I was getting X amount of revenue. Now I have cut my overheads. I'm choosing my right client. So at first, when he said it, I was like, ah, this is going to be like a three-month thing. And I told guys, you know what? It's perfect. Let's pack up the office. Let guys get a break. Then I'm like, I start seeing the cancellation. Because, you know, in events, you normally have clients who have events every, every, like every month. You have this routine of clients. So I'm seeing people are canceling. And I'm like, what's happening? So I was, it's when it hit me that it's not going to be business as usual. Like, 
and it was such a hard pill for me to swallow, I think, because I'd already figured out how to reject the business and then this happens. So we sat with Eunice and we're like, what are we going to do? So I told Eunice, you know what we're going to do? First, let's take the school online. There are a lot of people who are looking for courses to do. This could be that time we do. So we decided to, to, we had finished recording our classes. So we decided to start pushing the online class. And then we decided, I, I told her, you know what? We need to be realistic. We need to figure out how we can use our talents to do other things. So still in the creative space, but you figure out what you're going to do and I figure out what I'm going to do. So I decided to explore another passion of mine, which is um, interior design. So we had a project to my husband and I was like, hmm, maybe this is a time to do that project. And so I started curating this house and put it on Instagram and it went viral. And so I started a little interior design outfit. And so by the time the clients were coming back, we had we're now faced with a new reality of starting to learn virtual events. But because Eunice and I and my team are very forward thinking, we'd already started learning how to do virtual events. So people would come and be like, are you able to do this event on Zoom? And we're like, yes, because we had done it before. So we were able to easily capitalize now on that and do it. So again, decided to create packages, went and told our clients, and we started all over again with virtual events. And the most amazing thing for us is in as much as COVID has affected our business top line, we are really doing well bottom line. We haven't done this well in a while. We grew the school and we all started this different sources of revenue that were not even related to events. So that's another thing. Change is good. It's hard when it's happening, but it can open you up to all these sorts of things that you never knew you could. So I don't run my business by myself. I have a very, very supportive team that helps me be able to balance both elements. I have systemized the business, the business side of my business. So I have processes. I have dashboards that help me know the health of my business. I have a business model that works for me because I think as an entrepreneur, it's very good for you to know who am I as a person. Entrepreneurship is glorified and everyone kind of thinks that we should all have these big businesses that have multiple people you're, you're hiring. But sometimes that's not the story for all of us. I can give an example of a book that really, really changed my, my mindset on entrepreneurship. It's called The Small, the Small Giant and talks about small businesses that are, have huge impacts in the industry. And for me, Waridi is fashioned to be a small giant. The creative side, I feed it. And the thing I realized is you don't have to necessarily just feed it to the space you're in. For me, I get inspiration from everywhere. Like I don't necessarily have to sit down and watch like 10,000 conferences or 10,000 concerts. I get inspiration from the fashion world. I get inspiration from food. Like I look for inspiration everywhere and I just don't tie myself into one thing because I'll give you an example like this virtual events can be tiring and there's a time one of our clients was like they're so boring and i'm like what if you bring in a cartoonist to sketch stuff during the breaks you see you would probably never get that idea when you watch an event i don't know an event video on youtube but you have to look outside your space you can't be confined into just what you do so that's how i balance both i have a beautiful team that we work with 
And for us, for me as a creative and a creative entrepreneur, my goal is to just bring people. As we're going, we, we, we go, we raise up with other people. So the one thing I would tell myself when I was starting, if I'd go back in time and tell African creative entrepreneurs is step out boldly, be bold, like because you are needed, you have that one thing you're bringing into this beautiful space. And for me, it's step out boldly, you know, let your art shine. Don't diminish your art because we're very quick to, to sit down and apologize. I'm like, no, step up boldly because you have the gifting, you have the opportunity, and that's the only way you make a difference if you step up boldly. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Wasn't that such an inspiring story? I met Wanjiku and her company reached out to me to host an event for one of their clients and they were just so professional. You know me, I really love organized people in life and especially in business. <laughs> and so I, I didn't know her before or her team. I'd never interacted with her business and rehearsals were where we met for the first time in person. And that's where I found out her company is an all women team. And I was so intrigued by that. And I I can never turn off the journalist in me. Whenever I meet people who are intriguing, I immediately switch into like interview mode and I just was asking her questions. It was so interesting that when I left rehearsals, I was going to the studio because we were just about to start shooting season two three of our video series. And I was so intrigued by Wanjiku's story that I insisted that she be one of the storytellers in season three. You know, it was very, almost very last minute because I just felt so drawn to her story and drawn to her business. I just, I think it's the, the businesswoman in me who felt super inspired and I wanted other people to tap into that energy, especially if you're walking a business, a business journey. And so she agreed and, and we recorded her story. So you can find a condensed version of her story in season three of our video series on legallycluelessafrica.com. But I'm so happy that I can share her story with you. And she, she, I don't even think she she knows how inspiring her story was, but yeah, I, I hope you connected with it. You know, I hope you connected with it. Do remember that if you want to share your story on this podcast, all you have to do is in the show notes, click the link to our storyteller form, fill it out, and then please check your email where there's some people who we reached out to record to um, set up a recording session you've not responded so make sure the contact details you leave are contacts that you often check that's one number two legally clueless is also on trace fm which is fantastic we are there mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. and Fridays at 1 p.m. Remember to sign up for our, remember to sign up and join our community, all 400 plus of us. All you have to do is go to legallycluelessafrica.com and sign up. Now next week, the 2022 episode goes out with 12 lessons from the year. It's going to be drenched in inspiration. I've been working on it for a while. And then also this year has just been Gifting me lessons, some hush, <laughs> some soft. Hey, 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 hey. You know those memes for um, somebody's on the phone calling someone, like on their cell phone, and the caption is like, me calling God to make sure <laughs> I'm not on the list. 
<laughs> to be one of his strongest um, warriors of 2023. Same. Yeah. So anyway, but it's great because then I have tons of lessons to share with you. And that's going to be in, in next week's episode. But thank you so much for listening to this episode to the very end. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. Yeah, and if you're like me and you're trying to piece together your new tradition, I, I really hope we end up having, I, I hope it's a beautiful Christmas for us and a beautiful transition into 2023. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.